Hey. Hey. Oh. Where am I? What's going on? And why does this feel? Why does this feel so different? It just feels so different. There's something going on here. There's something so different. Thrilling. There's something thrilling happening tonight. Well, we're broadcasting from a new studio, a brand new studio. That is that is number one. Uh, number two, we have a great guest going on tonight. I, 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 ladies and gentlemen, I tried so hard for it to be Matt. I tried for it to be Matt. Trust me. Uh, but I didn't want to wait until next Friday to premiere this place because I did get here this morning. Uh, Aurora and I made some. We made some. Uh, we made some rounds. We, we did some errands this morning. The first place we went to was right here. So I can get down and spend about another 45 minutes on some work. I got all my, a lot of everything else programmed. And then, of course, I did a test stream. And I saw that everything was pretty hunky-dory. And now you are seeing a little bit of what is new. I'll give you a little bit of a, a look around in the second half of the show. Because we'll have more time then. Because we have a guest coming on in about 20 minutes. His name is Brian Tui. And he is a very staunch and well-established voice researcher in the field of rigged sports. That is right. He has published several books about how sports, uh, professional sports, especially in the United States, is no different than watching any daytime soap opera that you can access during the day. Go with General Hospital, Bold and the Beautiful, The Young and the Restless, whatever the hell it is. It might as well have a football in it. That's what that's what Brian says, and he's going to be on tonight. And I wanted to do something about this because, of course, we are in uh, we are just about to jump into the the weekend. We're about to jump into the Super Bowl weekend, and that was something I I thought would uh, would be great. And he agreed to come on, so we have a little bit of time at that. In the second half, we have got to. Wa- I'll take your calls because I'm sure this is going to inspire some calls. And then I also would like to take um, a little bit of time to. To look into the the Joe Biden uh, thing from last night, uh, which I think is just hilarious, and it was it was far more action packed for it being a fifteen minute video, fifteen minute appearance. It was far more action packed than um, than the Putin and Tucker Carlson thing, which it was everything I said it would be. Um, it, it's informative. It's definitely worth watching. But it was it wasn't going to blow any of our minds. There's there's a lot, actually there's a lot left out that I wish that could have been uh, attacked a little bit more. Um, a lot of that talk about rigged things tonight. So I guess I, I don't know. We'll talk about all that. But I, I guess the one thing I would like to just say up front now that we're here, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a look around right now at the hell with it because I can put it up over here. So that there's Matt's corner. He's not here right now though. And then we're just getting ourselves around the room. There's where that's JFK. That's his new uh, his new spot. I gave him some new scenery. He he needed a new vantage point, and and uh, you know we had to do a lot of changes, and changes we did. Little things that you guys and gals won't even notice for a while, but it uh, it makes this place a lot more functional. And um, even when we do split cam, it, there's going to be a lot more video on screen. It's a lot. It's a bigger, bolder. I love it. The quad cam looks fantastic. It just looks great. I'm just... I just love it. And I've got all of my toys here. My toys are back. 
And that's all I have for you. So thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for being here. And of course, thank you for sponsoring the show. Um, thank you so much. Because I can't plan for emergencies. And this is a pretty huge emergency to be able to replace your entire broadcast studio. I can't plan for emergencies or, or, or be able to respond to emergencies without you guys and gals investing in new media projects like this. And I just, uh, I'm always looking for new ways to show my gratitude, which is why I'm always trying to create new value for you monthly sponsors out there. And just so you know, we are only 45.4% away from our 2024 self-funding goals on subscribestar.com. So if you, uh, to those of you who love this show and are not currently sponsors and we're considering taking the plunge, by all means, go to Subscribestar and go to those link in the description or on, quite frankly, uh, the Sponsor Us page because that is going to help us achieve major staffing goals. Not the ultimate staffing goal, which is full-time employment for everybody and all that stuff, but to be able to bring on video editing and, and expand our booking and special projects and all that. And, and of course, to restore the full two-hour broadcasts across the board. So, um, plenty. And I just want to thank you because... Yeah, I even moved one of our uh, one of our our whatchamacallits, our lava lamps out of here. I said, there's too much redundancy. Let's go for a plasma lamp instead. All right. And and people are like, I don't know. I'm gonna. It's gonna be a hard time getting used to not having that soundboard behind you with all the, everything jumping around with the the you know with the from the the contact of your voice and all those audio signals jumping around. I said, don't you worry, because boom, boom. What do you think about that? A little bit of an homage to the old days, right? Well, sounds good. I have all my toys. <laughs> We're going to have a good time. So much to do. All right. Well, that's all I have. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys on Monday. And um, be well. Be good to each other. All right. On to the grab bag we go. On to the grab bag, ladies and gents. Let's see. Where is that? Hold on. Wait, I'm sorry. Of course, my computer has not been authenticated. I authenticated the damn computer. What the hell? Why did this song come up? Listen, all the kinks are not worked out yet. This is considered a test broadcast. It really is still a test, but welcome. First one up on, on, the, uh, on the agenda here for the grab bag. You know where we're going with this one, ladies and gents? I'll tell you. I'll tell you, a transgender woman, man, loses a bid to sue ex-lover for throwing out her surgically removed testicles. You can file this one under things that uh, women never say. The quote is, we're talking about my nuts here. <laughs> That's something a woman has never said. So just <laughs> the nuttiness, it continues. It's not going to slow down until a big wall's hit. A transgender Michigan person who sued her ex-boyfriend, so they're gay, for discarding his surgically removed testicles had his case tossed out by a judge who also rejected the ex's counterclaim of being humiliated by the case. Well, yeah, the entire thing is, humi is humiliating. Can you imagine that? I know you can't. The Pontiac resident demanded... Anybody in the Pontiac area out there know about this? Has it made the local news? Resident demanded that the immediate return of her human remains specimen. 
in her handwritten affidavit in addition to $6,500 in damages. Here's the quote. We're talking about my nuts. We're talking about my nuts. I wanted them in my fridge, not his. Kingsley told the court saying the damages were the loss of these nuts. I wonder if it's not real. I wonder if this is if this is just fake. But it probably isn't. This used to be bona fide satire and craziness. It probably isn't. Speaking of satire, I came across you. You remember when we would we followed along with the uh, the birds aren't real uh, story that all the the, the the theory that the birds were all the birds on Earth were replaced by robots and none of them are real real and they're here to spy on us for the government. And we love that theory because, of course, it was it was a it was a big troll job, you know, and uh, and and then, of course, it started, you know, showing up in places. It started showing up uh, at the scene of other. I guess you can call legitimate protests to kind of muddy the waters there. And then in 2022-ish around there is when the media start picking up on the birds aren't real theory because they thought it would be a, even though it's funny and goofy in its own way, it would be a really interesting insight into the minds of younger generations who are now, uh, you know, how easy it is to make a conspiracy theory latch on because uh, J6. QAnon. You can do anything with these little movements to kind of add what you think is astute uh, cultural commentary to the mix and and make it about something bigger than an obvious joke. Uh, There's this one clip that I came across that I haven't seen in about two years that I'm so happy I found again. It is the the birds aren't real kid. The, 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 The guy that's behind it of really helping organize it and, and give it some some identifiable branding. When he was on air, I forget, what is this? It's like a morning news show somewhere. And this is the famous, at least it's famous in my life. This is the Burns, the Birds Aren't Real puke interview where he goes, he pretends that he's, he's so nervous on television that he starts, <laughs> that he starts puking. And, um, and I just want, I, I, I want to share this with you because uh, why not? It's Friday night. Birds aren't real movement. He joins us now. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. So are there people that find your account and think that it's real? You know, I think there's a lot of people that find our social media accounts and see a different side of Gen Z in America. Uh, You know, Gen Z is full of some amazing men, women, and children that are aiming for change. And I think that that is, you know, just what our movement's all about. But it's more than just Gen Z's falling for conspiracy theories. Why? (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so nervous. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we hope you're okay. Why don't we give you some time to collect yourself? If you need help, let us know in the control room there. You got it. You got it, pencil neck. I love it. Uh, thank you to everybody in the, especially John Wick in the in the Gilded chat to help me find that and also save it. So now I will be able to have this as a break video for all time, for all time. Oh, the, let the good times roll, right? I dude, listen, guys. I even put some WD forty in this mic boom stand. You hear that? No, you don't hear shit right now. You don't hear the grinding. Okay, you don't hear the warm. 
of metal on metal. I did. I I went to the extreme as far as meticulousness goes. Anyway, so that's a little bit on on that. And what's this now? Uh, oh, then finally, what the hell with everything going on in the skies? Here's another little something for you. Here's another little something. Again, from the New York Post. Headline, passenger dies mid-flight after leaders, leaders of blood erupts from his mouth and nose. Leaders of blood erupts from his mouth and nose. Uh, a, path, a passenger aboard Lufthansa flight from Thailand to Germany died Thursday after his fellow travelers watched in horror as blood gushed out of his mouth and nose. The unidentified 63-year-old German man was seen boarding the Airbus A380 in Bangkok shortly before midnight, visibly sick with cold sweats and breathing too quickly. I got to get home. That would be uh, I, the last thing I would, I would just say, hey, I, I would never get on the plane. I would never get on the plane. And it's not even about being courteous for other people. I would, I would insist on staying on the ground and, and getting medical attention. I don't know. At first, he said his wife claimed that they had to rush to catch the flight, which is why he wasn't feeling well. But after watching the man for a few moments, who is this? Karen Misfedler recounted to a German-Swiss outlet said that um oh oh and this miss fedler woman is running a, a nursing specialist she that she's a specialist out there in zurich she said she informed the flight attendant that he needed to be examined by a doctor a young polish man answered the call but he reportedly only asked the man how he was feeling felt his pulse and said that he was okay <laughs> obviously that doctor's not worth a shit can you imagine being a doctor saying, don't worry, I'll take care of him, feeling his pulsing, this man's okay, and then immediately he starts gushing liters of blood out of his mouth? I mean, I hate even to make a joke. It's not a joke. It actually happened. They gave him a little uh, chamomile tea, but he already spit blood into the bag that his wife held out to him. Soon blood started spilling out of his mouth and nose. It was an absolute horror. Everyone was screaming, Martin said. He claimed that the man lost liters, some of which splattered on the walls of the plane. For about half an hour afterward, flight attendants tried to perform CPR. Oh, well, obviously you have to use one of those uh, those masks. When he finally went still and the captain announced the man's death, it was dead quiet on board. Staff then carried the man's body into the galley of the plane as it turned and headed back to Thailand. Oh, my gosh. Flight data showed it left Bangkok at 11.50 p.m. Thursday and landed back in Thailand at 8.28 a.m. Friday. There, the passengers said that they would wait two hours without any guidance from Lufthansa before they were finally booked on another flight to Germany with a stopover in Hong Kong. So, I mean, it's every... They're trying to give you every excuse in the world not to fly. Obviously, that's not going to stop everybody, but more than enough people have seen this and said, yeah. If it's not in driving distance, I'm staying home. I think that's what a lot of people, a lot of people, I wish I could know how many. I'm probably one of them where even if I had to be in Arizona, I'd be like, okay, I can take a week off. I'm serious. I'm serious. If, if Lauren and I, if we all wanted to go see the, the Rocky Mountains at this point, 
I'd say, all right, well, let's, 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 let's do something grand. A week to get there, we'll stop along the way, we'll take some equipment, I'll make some content along the way, we'll, we'll, you know, it'll be a little bit of work, it'll be mostly play, and we'll get there eventually. I swear to God, is anybody else like this? And it's not because of the, the, fear, of, the fear of being in the, I, I'm totally fine with the, uh, with the technology. And depending on the pilot, the, uh, on the pilot I, would still, I would still fly. If it's our friend out there in the audience, Brown, Mr. Browntail out there, or my buddy Rick, Miami Rick, who I have to bring on the uh, on the air here, he's a uh, he's a seven forty seven pilot who has a really really awesome Twitter account. I can't wait until he comes on the show. What an amazing Twitter account he has up there in that seven forty seven, showing everybody the world from all the way up in the sky. I, I would definitely fly if, if somebody like that were were in in charge. I'm not. I'm fine with aviation technology. I just don't like what's f- floating around it all right now. Anyway, that's what we have, ladies and gents. I hope you enjoyed the first opening from the new studio. We will be at Studio B for Monday because I'm, like I said, on book club nights, I will, I will be doing that from home so I don't have to be here until all hours and shit like that. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much. We will be right back. Go ahead, Watchtower. This is the Joker speaking. You're tuned in quite frankly. When you see the ants, remove your pants. <laughs> you let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! So this is a good one, a good one tonight. Now, I thought, like I said before, we have a uh, quite a bit, <clears throat> quite a bit that we are doing. We're talking a lot about rigged things lately, if you know what I mean. But uh, before we do that, before we do the 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 bigger rigged things in the in the, <laughs> you you wonder about elections? Can they rig Super Bowls? Well, you have to imagine that's a lot. A lot smaller of a production, no? A lot smaller of a production. There's a lot less involvement from the general public other than, than just watch and put some money down and order some pizzas. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about that tonight because, uh, first of all, last night with the whole Putin thing, like I said, it was worthy of a watch. But we got everything that I thought that we would get. Um, the Nord Stream comments were on point. 
the 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 history about CIA coups in U- Ukraine, broken promises, the NATO encroachment, jilting Russia in the year 2000 on potentially joining NATO, which what the hell is the point? When when Putin's talking about his remembrances of discussing joining potentially joining NATO with Bill Clinton, what is the point of Russia joining the organization that was created to protect the world against Russia? It's just so stupid, but everything is. Everything's so stupid. NATO's, everything's ridiculous. Um, but there was nothing on social engineering. There's nothing on bio labs, uh, though there was plenty on Nazi bashing. Um, crickets on the origin of Bolshevism, though. So we had a little bit of that, a little bit of this. But the far more interesting thing was the very short White House in- announcement around 8 p.m. or so. Far more action-packed because it looks like they're actually about to jettison the old man. Now, I could be wrong because I was ready to put down money in 2020 that he wasn't going to make it to the first debate. That they were going, it was going to be the big switcheroo. But I, I don't know. I have never seen the media dogpiling like this before. It's, uh, it's early enough in the year where this might just be the, the time that they all jump. Well, I don't know what it is. So I'm going to take your calls on that later on. But we'll have to do that in the second half. But speaking of rigged things, as I asked before, if a, an election can be rigged, then what about a Super Bowl? Well, tonight, we're going to be talking with a, a special guest. His name is Brian Tui. And Brian, hold on a second. Wait a second. I think he's... Uh, I think he's coming in. Hold on. Yeah, and Brian is a, a really interesting situation. He's a really interesting guy, you know, an author. He is the author of, I think, four or five books and perhaps the only leading expert on game fixing of sports in the, in the, uh, in the world right now. And I, I had this little bit piece of uh, information from his bio on his website. Recognized as a scholarly authority by the U.S. Supreme Court. He's written for the likes of Vice Sports, Sports on Earth, Bleacher Report, History Magazine, Paranoia Magazine, and worked with the Center for Investigative Reporting to produce an article for Sports Illustrated. He has been a guest on over 200 different national and local radio programs and podcasts. Um, Let's see. Uh, A podcast that has spoken at Florida State University the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at Arizona State University and Columbia College Chicago. Despite all of these accomplishments, the national sports media, by and large, ignore his work. And why the hell is that? Well, I want to talk to him right now. Um, he is the, His latest book is The Fix is Still In. That can be purchased on Amazon or on his website, thefixesin.net. That has been included on the description of tonight's episode. And he's joining us right now. What is going on? Brian Tui, how you doing? Good. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Hold on. Let me turn on this damn music. There we go. All right. So it's great to meet you, man. It's great to have you on. And, of course, it's just perfect timing because we are knocking on the door of Super Bowl weekend. And what do you do to prepare for the Super Bowl? Is it... uh, is it like watching a movie? Do you do you even put money down? Do you know how to bet better? What what? How do you approach this? Well, this year actually, all I did was uh, put some money down on some squares. Me too. <laughs> like a family pool. Yeah, me um, too. Last year, I bet on uh, I forgot it was three things, um, but I won my parlay. I had the Chiefs. I think it was was it the over, and I forgot what the other thing was. But 
This year, no, I actually didn't bet. Because actually, I live in Wisconsin where sports betting is really not legal yet. And you can't bet one place in Milwaukee, but you have to physically go there. Um, and last year, I bet because I was working down in Illinois, so I could bet through an app there, which is bizarre that, you know, I drive 20 minutes from my house, it's legal to bet, but I'm sitting in my house, it's illegal to bet. So, yeah, see, that's one <laughs> that's of those things. Is, yeah, there's a, they, yeah, state to state, it's a lot different. There's still a lot of, there's still dry states out there um there and th- there's a lot of that going on and gambling is some of the one of those things that you find it loosening all over the place just because states are desperately looking for new sources of revenue so they're just kind of saying out with all the morality stuff but anyway um because i only have you for a little while tonight i really want to get down to this but there's a couple sure. of questions i have up front can you quickly talk about the united states supreme court I read this in your bio, recognizes you as a scholarly authority. Do they recognize you on the subject of game fixing, or, or what was this, uh, this acknowledgement from? Well, essentially what happened was when uh, the state of New Jersey sued to uh, basically be able to legalize sports gambling in the state, they had to repeal this law known as the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, or PASPA. And that was the law that granted the state of Nevada kind of a monopoly to have sports betting. And so when the case wound up in the Supreme Court, um, the American Gaming Association, which is basically the big lobbyist group um, for all the casinos and whatnot, um, used my book Larceny Games as basically a piece of evidence saying that this is, you know, these are the things that are actually going on in sports. and sports gambling and game fiction and what the FBI had done to investigate all this in the past. And so they, using my book as a piece of evidence made me a scholarly authority because yeah. that's what it is. That's I interesting. I don't, you know, the funny thing is I had no idea it happened. I just, there's a law professor friend of mine sent me a text message. He's like, Hey, did you know now you're a scholarly authority? And I said, what the hell is that? Oh, <laughs> and then man. he explained it to me. So, but no, yeah, well, I can put it on my resume. Absolutely, you can, and I'm and I'm glad you put it on your uh, your your website because that's that's an amazing thing to talk about up front. I mean, well, let's just start with something a little bit more general. From what you have looked into and what you have, what's the most fixable, the most regularly fixed sport there is? At least, at least in modern day, in modern day, it either be tennis or soccer. Tennis, huh? And I only oh, tennis is one of the most corrupt sports in the world, far and away. Um, soccer may actually be above that, but tennis, you have to get to one person, you know, it's like a boxing match. You get to one side, you have the fix, you know, the, the fixes in with the match. Soccer is a little more difficult because obviously there's 11 players on the side, but you know, soccer match fixing is so prevalent. And the guys who do it are so good. They can literally fix matches where they say, we want this game to end three to one. And that's the way the game will end three goals to one. And the funny thing is, the thing that blows my mind and the thing I think American sports fans don't think about is around the world, around the globe, match fixing is all over the place. Like I say, it's in tennis, it's in soccer, it's in cricket, it's in rugby, it's in badminton, it's in baseball leagues in the Far East. It's all over the place. And yet it supposedly never happens here in the United States. It's like the one crime that's global, yet it doesn't occur within the United States. And if you, that's the way you think, it's just laughable. Because it has to be happening here. I mean, there's so much money better. I mean, what they say? What's the stat I saw the other day? How many billion were going to be bet legally this year on the Super Bowl? And people think that money could have zero influence on the game or the outcome. It's I, absurd. I know. I see. I, 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 I think about it. But then I start thinking. My whole thing is this. 
and and you you bring up a great point about why something like tennis could be so easily easily uh, latched onto. I when I'm thinking about the logistics of something like rigging a sport or rigging the outcome of a competitive uh, situation, individual sports, bowling, boxing, horse races, I can see that being over the top easy. Then of course you know you have team sport. You, when, when it comes to team sports, you have things like point shaving, which is pretty subtle. You don't even need somebody th- that is going to win to lose. You just need to be able to, you know, keep it close or with, you know, working within those those point spreads. But how does one rig a team sport that is played at fast paces? That is, uh, I mean, it, it's just. I, I think about all the people who would need to be recruited for an effort like that, and it boggles my mind. And I think that's why a lot of people walk away from the concept. Well, I think it is too. But I think, again, if you look at soccer, I mean, again, soccer is the same amount of players as an NFL game, right? It's 11 on the side, 22 guys on the field. And granted, it's not exactly fast-paced of a sport. But, I mean, there are proven, without a doubt, proven instances where I mean, hundreds of soccer matches around the world have been corrupted and been fixed. And like I say, I mean, they've fixed it to the where they fix for an exact score, but sometimes they fix it, you know, for one team to one team to win. Sometimes they fix it for certain penalties, penalty shots, what have you, certain events within the game. But if they can do it there, well, why do people think, you know, the NFL or the NBA is untouchable? Hmm. I mean, I spoke to a well-known gambler who's since passed on, but he said, you give me a quarterback, an offensive lineman, and a defensive back from one team, and I can give you any NFL game you ask if I have those three players out of the 22 of the starting team. And I think you could do it with just one. I think if you had an offensive lineman, you could fix an NFL game because if he doesn't block, if he holds it blatantly on certain times to get certain penalty calls, I think he can totally disrupt an offense and alter the outcome of a game. So you're talking more along the lines of sabotage. Because even if you had the well, quarterback, and, yeah, yeah, it, it would have to be about some one one side deliberately underplaying. I would have to imagine that would be the most common thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, something along the lines of the nineteen nineteen World Series or or whatever. But uh, you know, let me let's go with this then. A recent incident. Let's go to twenty twenty. I'm sure you listened to it. You've probably done commentary on it constantly. Dwight Smith. When he shocked so many people, he called into that radio show, that sports radio show, I don't know, maybe down in Florida or something, and he went in all on, this is scripted. They know what's going on before every season. Planned out like the WWE, um, storylines, MVPs, championships, all that. Have you ever been able to interview players who concur with with Dwight Smith in, in claiming that it is that meticulously planned? To be honest, I've never tried. Okay. Because... I mean, one of the things is, is it's like, you know, throwing darts at a dartboard. I mean, how do you know who's going to talk, who would be honest when they talk to you, and who would, you know, even accept such an invitation? So I, I really haven't tried. I've, what I've done is through my research and um, through what I can prove and what I've seen in other books, what I've gotten through the FBI files and that sort of thing. Because, like I said, you know, speaking athletes, you could speak to a thousand of them before one is open and as honest as he was in that interview. And there's always the question of, was he really open and honest or was he just messing around with those guys? Uh, to me, it seemed like he was open and honest because they were kind of befuddled by his responses and he wasn't backing down. But then there's a guy like, you know, who was it? Arian, Arian Foster, who's on Barstool Sports, who I think what he was saying, he was just trolling everybody who thinks this. Right. So, 
you know, you have to kind of, it's hard to pick and choose. And if you don't have, you know, direct access to certain guys, you're never going to get them to talk. And again, even if you do, it doesn't mean they're going to be honest with you it's because true. they have a lot to lose. And I think that's one of the things people always talk about is, well, you know, if this was true, when people be talking about it? Well, if you're an NFL player or former NFL player, that's your identity. And if you don't have solid evidence besides saying, well, I know this is fixed because I participated in it. But if you don't have solid evidence, who's going to believe you? Because I think, you know, if Peyton Manning came out and said, why well, through the Super Bowl, everybody would line up against him because they'd be like, where's your proof? And I doubt he could produce any. So if he can't produce any, where's that going to go? And I think that's why nobody talks about it. What have you been able to get from the FBI? You mentioned the FBI. Are, have you been, were you personally FOIA, you put it, you know, writing out FOIA requests for one thing or another? Oh, or, yeah. well, okay, so what did you get from the FBI that, that has contributed to your work and your, your very staunch stance that this is, this is just the way things are? Well, first of all, I wound up on an FBI watch list for what I did. Jeez. What the um, hell? Okay. Was, what yeah. the- <laughs> <laughs> I filed so many requests. I wound up on a list. There was uh, myself and I think it was 30 some odd other people, two of which I knew, oddly enough. Um, but we were all kind of on an FBI watch list for all our Freedom of Information Act requests. Um, but essentially what I found in these files was back in the, and I know it's dated because it goes more to the 1960s and 70s. But the FBI had very credible evidence against basically all the major sports leagues, whether it was the NCAA in football and basketball, the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball of instances where games were likely fixed by players, sometimes coaches, sometimes referees. But I, there was at least, I'm trying to remember, I think it was at least five Hall of Fame players that were named directly in the FBI files as being involved in fixing games. And the problem with the FBI was is they would have this very credible evidence and they would hear from their informants that, you know, player A was going to work with this bookie and they were going to fix this game and the game would go exactly the way as predicted. The only problem was, is if a quarterback has a bad game, can you prove he did it intentionally or was it just a bad game? Mm-hmm. And that was the problem the FBI ran into is they couldn't necessarily get the wiretaps and the things that they needed in a timely fashion to prove these things were occurring but all their evidence had pointed to it but you know the fbi had bigger fish to fry than figuring out if you know last sunday's game was fixed or not but you read the files which is what i did and what i put in my book larceny games and you come away with knowing for sure that games have been fixed throughout the years and that all the leagues are lying to their fans when they say this has never happened and then, of course, there are instances where you see the the, the full weight of government uh, investigation get called into play when it's uh, it's steroids in baseball. So you'd think that well, well, hey, why wouldn't there be any kind of federal, uh, you know, interest in whether or not the NFL, which which culminates with this with this uh, you know this Sunday, which has become a little bit like a national holiday, um, why there wouldn't be any interest there? So it, that's. Um, that's odd, but I, I it, well, that's well, and one thing too, just to, um, close this out, is what people don't realize too is that the FBI no longer investigates for fixed games; they're mandated to do it. The law that exists, which is called the Sports Bribery Act, nineteen sixty four, basically says it's illegal to bribe a player, a coach, or a referee to alter the outcome of a game. So it falls into the FBI's purview that they should do this, but. They're not looking for fixed games. They're not actively seeking them out. The only scandals that have come out recently, which is like the University of San Diego scandal, and what was it, like the Toledo, I think, football team scandal, even Tim Donahue, for that matter, 
those all came out of other investigations. It's just like information fell into the FBI's lap and they said, oh, well, I guess we got to look into this. And yeah. So they did, but they're not actively seeking this stuff out like they were back in the 60s and 70s. Because around mid-1980s, they got tasked with the war on drugs and they figured, well, forget this, we're not doing this anymore. And so they don't. Hmm. So you have no active law enforcement looking into this at all. You know, the leagues aren't looking into it. The sports gambling companies aren't looking into it. The media is not looking into it. So if nobody's looking for it, nobody's going to find evidence of anything going wrong. Well, there's definitely been a, uh, a relaxing on sports gambling. I mean, the fact that you can, I mean, people in all 50 states are going to be betting through through apps like, you know, DraftKings or whatever the hell else is going on out there. Um I, I used one one year, like my friend, hey, you try it out. So I said, okay, I threw five dollars in to see what's going on. You can bet on anything. Anything. Oh, yeah. Any you know, you know, what what color jerseys people are gonna be wearing that day. What what are they rolling? Anything. And um and of course if if your state has some kind of laws against it, all you need is a VPN and and you're and you're it's in another state. It just doesn't matter. Um so it's you can see that there is a uh, definitely there's not a lot of impetus put on trying to really control this because the ability for people to engage in the gambling only keeps expanding um, from. Your, well, and the yeah. one thing, too, like you mentioned, with how you can bet on every little thing in the games, going back to what's happened in Europe and elsewhere around the world is they know there are instances of what they call spot fixing. And that is like these type of bets where you can bet like in a soccer match on who will be the player who has the first penalty. Well, they'll basically pay off a player 10 grand and say, you go commit the first penalty. We're going to bet heavily on it, make money on it. And then they go do it. And the same thing, like with tennis, they'll be like, look, you don't have to lose the match, but lose, you know, the second game of the second set. And we're going to bet heavily on that. And then they'll go out and blow that single game within the match and let the rest of the match go as, you know, normally planned. And that's what's happening is they're, you know, literally betting on balls and strikes in baseball, but they're also influencing players to throw certain balls and certain strikes on certain pitches because they're gambling on it. So, I mean, these in-game bets and these statistically based bets are really the easiest things to fix. They're easier than even fixing the outcome of a game. And again, nobody's looking for it. Nobody's asking questions about it. Nobody's raising red flags. Okay, so then more more specifically to the the Super Bowl um because this is coming up in a couple of days is there a physical script from what you have you've the things no. you've learned okay there's not a physical script there's there's no mandates so maybe maybe Dwight Smith is being a little bit uh, facetious at that point that everybody's essentially assigned a role in that year's play uh i i, I don't know because you know here cuz the average person again it seems impossible to coordinate anything beyond a few compliant referees and umpires who can make favorable calls in close games. Like if you're if, if it's if it's all between uh, you know staying around 7 to 10 points then a couple of calls changes everything. But if we, you know, there's been a couple of blowout Super Bowls in the last couple of years in the last 10 years. Uh you know, over not 20 many. Not many. Not you're right. Not many. <laughs> not like it used to be. Yeah, uh, but so it, it, it is something where it does seem like you only need a, a little bit of compliance with the referees to keep things in orbit. And then there are, I don't know if you get into this, you probably do, because your website is a wonderful repository for strange tweets and, uh, you know, weird plays. And there are 
inst there are uh, YouTube channels that have close to a million subscribers right now that document plays that they believe, oh, look, it's nonsense. You're, you're in a straightaway. You stop. You allow yourself to get tackled, deliberately missing tackles. I mean, there are, there's a lot of spooky shit. Oh, there is. There's a lot of spooky shit that happens throughout the year, not even in playoffs, but it, it's spooky. Well, and like I say, I don't think myself, and I could be wrong. I mean, I've done research on this, but I don't know everything. Um, I don't think, like I say, I don't think everything's scripted out like professional wrestling. You know, I don't. I definitely don't believe that the NFL sits at the beginning of the season or the NBA and says, okay, T-Max is going to win the Super Bowl this year, and this is how we're going to do it. The way I believe things work is the league will see certain storylines naturally emerge, certain star players naturally emerge, and then basically, like you mentioned, through the officiating, say, hey, look, we want to protect this storyline. We want to protect this player to let them, you know, show their natural talent, which will lead to more victories and what have you, and that'll push them into the playoffs, and then maybe they get pushed into the, you know, Super Bowl. But at the same time, I do believe you can get two players and get them to lay down in games. I mean, I think it's happened, like you said, with certain videos. I mean, you see guys giving zero effort on plays. <laughs> I mean, everybody sure could take a, you know, play off, but on certain times, you know, in certain big games, like even the Lions 49ers game two weeks ago and now, you know, you could see Chase Young not care one bit, not try to tackle the running back who was running into the end zone. Just He just, like, watched him go by. And so it makes you wonder, you know, are they in on it? And I think they are. I mean, I think at times, like, Peyton Manning, to me, was, like, the ultimate NFL company man. I think he threw certain games for the NFL, and he got rewarded with certain games by the NFL for doing just that. I mean, and I think there's other players who have benefited in such ways as well. Because, I mean, let's face it, you know, players in all these leagues are human. They all have weaknesses, whether it's money, whether it's their own gambling problem, whether it's drugs, whether it's women, whether it's men. Whatever it is, there's a lot of ways to get to a lot of people. I mean, the mafia has proven that throughout the decades, you know, that you can do these sorts of things. So who's to say the leagues with their own private investigative forces, which they have? I mean, the NFL has its own little F NFL FBI known as NFL Security. NBA has the same thing. Major League Baseball has the same thing. Who's to say they don't dig up dirt on these players and use it against them and say, look, we can make this public or we can keep it private. Which do you want? Do you right. want to play along with us and play our game? Or do you want to, you know, be blown up in the media for being a steroid user or a spousal abuser or what have you? And yeah, it seems like there's a lot of that on everybody, especially in the NFL. Um, so then, you, what you just said there brings up another uh, question that I think is actually pretty valid, and it was asked of me when I had first brought up the topic of rigged sports about a week and a half ago, after the AFC and NFC championship games were were played, and the question was. You have the star power, of course, of the Chiefs, the defending champs, and of course there's a couple of really big marquee players there, and of course added onto all that this year is the Taylor Swift angle and all that shit, so I knew that no matter what, uh, there, there was going to be no way, no way the universe was going to disallow them from having another shot, didn't matter how good the Ravens were during the year. But why wouldn't, if we're talking about scripting and we're talking about the best possible product for the betters and and for for people at home, the WWE entertainment value, why wouldn't have why wouldn't you have the perennial underdog Detroit Lions be the bigger headline grabber than the 49ers? Why not? You know, that, that's what I, I, I would un, if it were rigged, I would say, hey, let's go with this this uh, this amazing resurgent 
usually horrible Lions team that is now up there against the defending champs that made a miraculous turnaround, and they have a tight end with a uh, with a uh, a superstar girlfriend. It's like if you're really scripting it, why would you leave the, the Lions out? Well, it's one of those things I think too. At certain times, I think the Lions 49ers game, almost like the Super Bowl this weekend, is kind of a can't lose for the NFL. You know, sometimes certain teams, like you say, the Ravens, Chiefs, I think you're a lot more going for the Chiefs than you did the Ravens. Um, but with the Lions and the 49ers, I mean, I think Brock Purdy, the 49ers quarterback, has kind of become like almost, in a sense, the new Tom Brady. You know, he was Mr. Relevant, the last, very last draft pick in the draft. He's this humble, you know, kind of aw shucks type of guy. And here he's becoming you know, like almost a superstar without trying to be a superstar. And I think that sells very well to a certain demographic of NFL fans. And again, had the lines made it, you're right. It's still a great story. But one thing, I, and this was put in the New York Times probably, God, maybe 2016, 2017, somewhere in there. But they basically, the NFL said, our ratings go through our quarterbacks. Our quarterbacks are our marquee attraction. That's what we sell. And that's what people tune in to see. That's why you don't get a lot of hype around wide receivers, running backs, defensive players. Yeah, they get mentioned, but it's really, you know, it's this weekend is Brock Purdy versus Patrick Mahomes. That's the matchup. That's how a lot of these things are built, like almost like heavyweight fights. It's the quarterback versus the quarterback. The rest of the team be damned. And I think Jared Goff, the Lions quarterback, doesn't excite anybody about anything. And so I think Brock Purdy, again, I think he's a much better story, and I think he's a better storyline. Now, again, the Lions in whole – are a good story, but if you think about it as the quarterbacks, Brock Purdy's story is way better. Hmm. Okay, so listen, I know we only have a couple more minutes left, and I really appreciate the time you spent with me tonight. So I wanted to get into, uh, I guess one last thing is, if you were going to, if you were going to put, but not buy boxes, but if you were going to put $100 down, based on how you analyze these stories and patterns in the past and what you think would be a determining factor in influencing the outcome of the game, who would you put the money on? 49ers. 49ers. I think it's the Brock Purdy story. I think that's more... I think Patrick Mahomes has been established. I think Taylor Swift's going to be at the game, which the NFL is thrilled about, and I don't think they really care that much whether or not the Chiefs win or lose. I think it behooves them more if the 49ers win, but... And again, I, I think this weekend's game is kind of a can't miss either way. Okay, I think you could sh- you could shape the narrative either way. But if I was going to bet on it, I would take the forty ers See, one way or another, it, this this I, first for me, this only makes it even more fun for me because now I'm looking for I'm looking for suspicious plays, and I'm already just hanging out with my friends, and we order a little food, and we bought a couple of boxes, and it's you know it's it's one night in a in a whole year, and and in uh, case oh. but. Uh, well, and that's the thing is I never, you know, with all my research and stuff, I've never told anybody, don't watch, stop watching. I mean, I think that's one way to make these leagues change and make them more credible is if fans backed off, the leagues might change because it's all about the money. But I just want people to be more informed when they watch. Realize, look, what you're watching is essentially a television show. It's sports entertainment. It's the same as professional wrestling, legally speaking. There's no real difference between either of them. And the leagues can legally fix their own games, whether it's just to keep them close, whether it's to influence the outcome. And if you watch it with that perspective that this is a business and they're putting on a product and the product is the game, then you see these games in a whole new light and it changes the way you watch them. But I think for the better. 
When do you think that this became a uh, a lot more pervasive problem, like across the board? It, was there when was the last year that you would say around the last year that um, that across the board professional sports was really just more more so than not about who's got the better team and how hard they're going to work to win? Decades, really. <laughs> I mean, I really I think one of the first major games that was influenced by the league itself was Super Bowl three, which was 1969. Oh, man, there's so, <laughs> so. <laughs> poor Jets fans over here. They can't even hang their head on that one. Oh, no, my gosh. no, because it meant too much to the league. It meant too much to the merger between the two leagues. They have the Jets win that Super Bowl over the Colts that I think they forced that game into being and gave the Jets the win to legitimize what was the AFL at the time. I mean, I, but I think it goes that far back. So, I mean, you're talking, you know, 50-plus years of manipulation. I think it's gotten more prevalent and happens a lot more in the past 20 to 25 years than it ever did. But at the same time, as much as the fans gripe and grouse and put up YouTube videos and tweet about it and whatever, nothing's changing. I mean, mm -hmm. the league, the NFL could fix its officiating tomorrow. They got billions of dollars. But yeah. they're not doing it. Guess why they're not doing it? Because it behooves them to have these guys out there who can manipulate the game when and where they want to. And I, I'm looking at your website right now, and I see that that, um, that that Super Bowl, the 1969 January 12th Super Bowl, that's number three on your top ten of, of biggest fixed games. Um, but number one is something that I, I've had many people in this audience make comments to me about that over the years, too, when this subject would come up, too, and that is, of course, Atlanta Falcons versus the New Orleans Saints after Hurricane Katrina. The Saints just... Uh, they uh, become unstoppable, and everybody said, "Oh, you know that was that was a gimme." And I guess at the same time, same time, it makes it, it hurts me because I start thinking, I start rethinking about all the other moments that you have with your your teams. You say it can't be fixed. It can't. <laughs> the Yankees and Diamondbacks in seven in two thousand one can't be. They can't be. There's is there anything that is allowed to just be anything? good question i mean you know you tell me to me wherever there's money there's corruption right yeah <laughs> i mean religion business government you name it there's big money there's corruption right behind it why do people think professional sports are immune to corruption immune to making money that's why they put on the games is to make money i mean it's just it goes without saying but that, that is one of the big things is a lot of people i've talked to over the years you know if they're a big NFL fan, I could bash the NBA and say, oh, the NBA is totally fixed and here's how it's fixed and here's where it's been fixed and this is why it's fixed and they'll agree with me 100%. And then I'll turn and start talking about the NFL and be like, whoa, no, 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 no. You, you just don't know football. You, you don't understand. You don't know how the game is played. You don't. And I'm just like, it's because it becomes personal. And it's a mental thing for a lot of people. So you can't, like you say, you can't, certain people just can't accept that it could be their team and their player that you know the fix was in for. Because it affects you personally, and that's how the NFL and the rest of these leagues get you. Is they've hooked a, hooked everybody almost like drug addicts, because it does give you some pleasure when your team succeeds. I mean, it's a psychological, a proven psychological fact that that's what happens. Oh yeah. So I think when you start attacking people like that, yeah, you get that immediate pushback because it's like they're taking it personally, even though I've you know nothing personal about it. I, I certainly don't have anything. Um, I certainly don't have any dogs and any any real. I haven't experienced any winning in a long time or any of the any of the, uh, the teams that I like. But I there is one thing I want to ask you before you go because there is another 
list that you have on your um, on your website. It is the top ten fixed series or streaks seasons. Thing like like not just single games or championships, but the entire thing. And you know the number six on there was pretty interesting because that was Tim Tebow, and I I you came at it from a, a standpoint that I never had really considered because most people the more common sentiment about Tim Tebow is that he was shafted and really given no uh no good chances to thrive in the in the uh, in the league because of his public displays of faith but what you were saying is that he was actually given that chance of of having the wind at its sails behind the the Denver Broncos just to create a little bit of a first round playoff magic and then I mean what was the point of that good money I mean, what people forget is like for every Tim Tebow jersey that sold, every league, every team in the league got a piece of that money. So, I mean, and that's what a lot of people don't understand is, you know, you go and buy a whatever Chicago Bears hat, some of your money's going to the Green Bay Packers. You know, you buy a New York Giants hat, some of that money's going to the Eagles. It's going to your rival's team because the NFL shares so much revenue that everyone benefits. So it's something like 80% of all revenue that the NFL makes, I think, is shared amongst all the teams. So with something like Tim Tebow, that was like lightning in the bottle. I mean, it was kind of proven pretty quickly that the guy, he, he was an athlete, but he wasn't a quarterback, and he wasn't a talented quarterback. And throughout that little run he had at the end of the season, whatever, I forget how many games he played, eight or ten games he played. He was 7-1, I, mean, and and I think, when his, okay. his first day. Yeah, yeah, they were getting breaks left and right. I mean, guys on the other team were fumbling, throwing interceptions. I mean, it was like the games were almost being given to him because the Broncos couldn't even score. They were winning games like, you know, 16-13 to because he was not good. But everybody was so caught up in the T-Bow mania, and it was great for the NFL. It was great for the television networks. Everybody was making money off T-Bow's back, T-Bow included. And then, you know, that's one of the things is you can't fake talent. So, I mean, you can't take a team. Like, you can't just randomly choose a team. That's why I don't think, you know, things are scripted at the beginning of the season and say, hey, next year, you know, whatever, the New York Giants are going to win the Super Bowl. You can't do that because you can't fake it for that long. You know, you can fake You can manipulate one game, maybe two games, and people won't take notice. But Tim Tebow's lack of talent, you can't hide for very long. It's going to be... Uh, you know, a parent. So you, you have to, you know, the guys like the LeBron James, the, you know, Aaron Rodgers stuff, they have talent you can't fake, but you can protect it and you can't allow it to thrive more than it should through officiating. And that's going to win more games and put these guys into the finals more often than they potentially should get. Well, then the last thing that I will leave you with is, is <laughs> a little bit of a, uh, of a counter and a question based on the same list that you put out there, because this one was really interesting to me as well. And it was number four. I would Tebow was number six. Number four over here is the 2013 Boston Red Sox. And you preface it by saying in 2012 they were in last place, and 2014 they were in last place. But in 2013, which of course you have the Boston Marathon bombing, Boston Strong, all that stuff, they win the World Series, and it is, you know, uh, it, it's a, it's a, big, a big deal, but it's just... Out, out from the gutter and then back to the gutter the next year. Now, now, this is a 25-man roster. It is 161 games. Now, the, I, I'll, we'll put it this way. The Astros, the 2017 Astros, uh, they were a decent team, and they still are today. 
but they were a decent team that were stealing signs, hiding electronics on their bodies, and they were already a competitive team. But how do you rig a 162-game season for a last-place Red Sox team and not have anyone blow the whistle? That's a really good question because I don't really have a good answer. <laughs> I mean, the thing with the Astros, though, the funny thing with the Astros is, like you said, they were likely cheating that whole season. How did nobody know and how did nobody blow the whistle then on them? I mean, really, I mean, it became apparent somehow afterwards, but not during. None of the other teams were like, what's going on here? Why are these garbage cans being banged every time our pitcher throws a fastball? I mean, but it helped to the storyline. And I think, you know, that's the thing is baseball is probably one of the hardest games to fix outright because even if you have the starting pitcher, you know, you could give up nine runs, get yanked from the game, and the team can score 10 and still win the game. So I think it's a really difficult game to fix. So, I mean... I don't know how you can necessarily fix a 162-game season, but, you know, you get enough balls and strikes going in your favor that can certainly push things your way. You still have to have some ability to obviously maximize it. But, you know, again, I don't believe in coincidences, not when it's tied to billions of dollars. And it seemed very coincidental that you had that Boston Marathon bombing and then you had Boston Strong become a thing and both the Boston Bruins made it to the Stanley Cup Finals that year and the Boston Red Sox made it to and won the World Series that year. I mean, that's just that's one heck of a coincidence. If that's really just happened naturally, good for them. But I don't, I don't believe it. I don't trust it. Gotcha. Well, hey, you know what? This well, this is a uh, a great uh, this is a great conversation, and it really sets the table for what is going to be a very fun fun weekend. And I gotta say, thank you so much for being on here with me tonight, uh, Brian. I'd love to have you back and and talk sure. about. I mean, there's so much. There's so much that happens, and and I don't really. I can have sports conversations, but it's it's one of those things where it's just one. Depending on who's in the room at the time, you know, we can have a little bit of back and forth, some memories and whatever this and that. But uh, this is more along the lines of the things I like analyzing. It make it gives a little bit of a conspiratorial edge to sports, and that makes it cozy. So I would love to have you back sometime. And in the meantime, I hope people go to the fix. The fix is in dot net and take a look yep. at your uh, all of your your books, including the new one came out. You want to say something quick about that? Well, news book was The Fix is Still, and that came out in 2019, I believe, I think it was released. And it was kind of a sequel to The Fix is In, but you don't really have to read the first one because the first chapter of the new one is kind of almost a rehash of the whole first one to get people up to speed. But it's more up-to-date kind of conspiracies and corruption that uh, a lot of sports fans seem to overlook and forget about, but really have an impactful meeting on what's going on today. Indeed. Indeed. Well, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of people agitated. We will see. And thank you so much. I think I'm going to put all my money on the on the uh, on the Forty ers now. And if I lose, it'll be your fault. Yeah, exactly. Blame me. <laughs> send me the bill. <laughs> I mean, all right, it, but you can send it to me. Well, I hope everybody goes and checks out your website. Thank you so much for the time, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, take care. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a little bit of time, and uh, you know, I, I I want to take some calls from you guys for the on this. See, and this is why the next thing that I'm replacing are the chairs. I just deflated for no reason. That one over there is in constant deflation. It's, I'm telling you, it down to the chairs in here. And maybe that's just part of the, the flushing, the flushing everything out. Flush it all out. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, I know. That's it. What do you think, though? 
What do you really think? I understand money talks, money walks, and we're talking about billions here. But like with Tim Tebow, I remember that year. The Denver Broncos were one and seven. He comes in, he goes seven and one. The Denver Broncos finish eight and eight and sneak into the playoffs. I think he wins a playoff game. And then, of course, they are. I, I don't know if he beats the Steelers or he got beaten by the Steelers. Anyway, the second round he gets smashed, and then he goes to he goes to the the, the Jets for a little while, and he like runs that wildcat um, formation, and that was that was the end of Tebow. The next time I heard about him, he was doing either mission work or he was in training camp with the uh, with the New York Mets playing baseball. But if you are an opposing team. And you, if this is the norm and this is the culture, the accepted culture where uh, you're going to have to take dives and they're managing, they're managing storylines and they're elevating certain teams and certain players to be able to create compelling things to follow along with as if, you know, teams playing each other in, in sport isn't enough. What do you think? You think that there'd be somebody that would say, you know, this is bullshit. We went in there and played the, the Broncos. Uh, it, they're an inferior team. Tim Tebow is being given opportunities. You know, I'm, I'm looking at people taking dives. Nobody says anything. You think there'd be a lot more people than Dwight Smith saying stuff. And then on the other hand, there are, like I said, there are those channels. There are those people out there. There's that compile just infinite numbers of spooky moments in sports especially the nfl where you just can't put your finger on why that just happened naturally why that just happened especially since you're talking about people who've been playing this game since they were seven just i know i know brain farts happen but not like this it's like brain diarrhea sometimes anywho that's it that's it in the first half what I would love to ask you to do now is follow me over to quitefrankly.tv to pill.net for the second half of the show. I want to take some of your calls. You can talk about whatever's going on with this in the first half with the with the rigging and all that all that shit. It's just general corruption stories. Uh, I mean that's that's not necessarily you don't have to be a sports fan to think about that. We're talking about the rigging and the corruption across major industry, and of course those industries build up narratives inside of society. They are very influential. It's not good to just completely dismiss them altogether. Um, but then we have to go and we have to watch a little bit of the other rigged side of life. And that is, that's something else. A uh, little bit of the Joe Biden thing, a little bit of uh, Michael Rappaport. Man, he has almost turned, I don't know how authentic it is. You guys can comment on that as well. But uh, he's almost completely turned the corner now with the whole, uh, you know, coming around, you know, forgiving much more with Donald Trump because of how bad he perceives Biden to be. It's incredible. No more herpes on his lip. No more herpes. He looks a little bit healthier. You let me know. We got a lot, a lot to do in the second hour, and I cannot wait to have you there. BRB. The rest of the show is available exclusively at pill.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode, get signed up, it's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv, just press play. No paywalls, no censorship, no strings attached. So head on over, quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole and pill.net. It's intermission time, folks. 
Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and Welcome to intermission. We'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Quite frank
Okay. Uh, first one up, this is Stostube. Says, TGIF, thanks goodness. It's frankly, have a great Friday, a great weekend. Thank you, Stostube. Thank you, Christos. Thank you. Revolution says, Studio fucking A. Nuff said. It's the Catalina Wine Mixer. Thank you. Good to be back. Jay Britt says, congratulations on the new Studio A, Frank. Looks great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making it possible. Car Guys New England says, Frank, the studio looks great. The cameras look sharp as well. Uh, my wife and I are pumped for you. Long live Studio A. This is where all the all that goes down. Let's see. Um, Twisted Clown says, $53 million credits credit card to migrate oh yeah we covered that last week we covered that last week the 53 million dollars the 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 thousand dollars a month credit cards for the migrants because uh, trying to find a way to get everybody out right try to cure this crisis right get them out right no no we need major companies corporations new jersey-based corporations to to fund this it is another way where ubi is going to be universal basic income is going to be make it's just going to be for everybody. It's about government partnering with gigantic companies. And that is how the companies will invest in their survival for all time. Now, of course, at the end of that, the I mean, they're going to lose their autonomy and the, the government is going to take over these companies. It's fascism. And uh, and that's that's where that is going to lead. But um, but anyway, over to let's make sure that we get some. Let's see. Over to the pill. Let's go to quite frankly superchat.com and here is the pilled. Um, secret weapon WD 40 replenishment fund. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> I, listen, the rate that we use WD 40 over here, it's I'm, I'm going to have that tiny little thing for a long time, but I'll buy a second bottle and I'll make sure it's there. Thank you so much, secret weapon. Born Deplorable says, cheers, Frank. Give us a peek on the other side of the studio, would you? Didn't I already? Didn't I already? I have to go check that out. Hold on. I'll give it to you. Squickly says, thank you. Thank you, Fox Lady. Squickly again says, birthday shout out for the most beautiful, caring, selfless woman I know, my mother, Deborah. Well, Deborah, happy birthday. Thank you for raising Squickly in such a nice way. River Pike, WD-40 is the awesome stuff. Nice studio. Thank you, Porpoiseful. Amethyst Cat, happy Friday, Frank. Thank you. J. Sem, great show, great studio. Next time, ask Brian about Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston. That is on his top ten. Hold on. Actually, let's go to it for a second. The fix is in .net. Um, let's see. Top 10 fixed games. Uh, let's see here. T- he, at number 10.5, he puts the 2019 Seattle Mariner versus Anaheim Angels. It's the Tyler Skaggs tribute game. And uh, that Tyler Skaggs, uh, I, I believe it was a, a drug overdose that they found out, but he died. It was their pitcher. And um, 
Yeah. He said, on this night, when the mother threw out the first pitch, the Angels scored 13 runs on 13 hits. Oddly enough, Skaggs' birthday was July 13th. Also this night, the Angels pitchers combined to no-hit the Mariners. The last Angels no-hitter of any sort was 1991. The day Skaggs was born, July 13th, 1991. Too many coincidences took place this night, and there was simply no way the Mariners were going to win. But number 10 is May 25th, 1965, Sonny Liston versus Muhammad Ali. And Brian writes, let's put this to rest once and for all, no matter if the phantom punch landed or not. This fight was fixed. If my theory as presented in the fix is still in is correct, the nation of Islam was behind it. And why? Ali and the heavyweight title meant millions of dollars for the nation of Islam. And this victory legitimized Ali, leading to 15 years of championship fight money making for Ali and his camp. So, um, yeah. I could have brought it up, but uh, even without Brian here, there it is. Now, at number nine, he's got September 25th, 2014, Baltimore Orioles versus uh, the New York Yankees. It's Derek Jeter's final home game, which was as perfect as you could have thought it it to be. And I need to believe that it still was. While it's already a distant memory, the captain's final season was one long farewell tour. It culminated in his final game in Yankee Stadium, which was won by Jeter with his final at-bat. Of course, those heroics were only possible because the Yankees' closer blew a three-run lead in the ninth, giving Jeter, the Yankees, and their fans one last chance for a legendary moment. Does that mean that Mariano Rivera? Oh, no, no. Rivera was already out. Didn't Rivera, who, who was closing that game? This is 2014. Didn't Rivera leave in 13? I forget who the hell it was. But, yeah, they have it in there. Manny Pacquiao, Timothy Bradley. Uh, let's see. Then there's their Super Bowl three, the Jets and the Colts. So he's got it up there. The fix is in .net. You go, ch- go check it out. There's plenty. All right, let's take some calls, shall we? That's what I say, because I'd like to go and I'd like to make fun of Joe Biden in a little bit. So 914-200-0269. 914-200-0269. And, um, oh, wait, hold on. There's a couple more over here until people call in. I'll keep reading them. I've it. We're going to go right into it right now. 630, you're on the air. What's going on? Hi, uh, my name is Kevin. Um, I was calling into Frank's show. Hello, Kevin. Oh, first of all, just just turn down the the stream in the back, and you're on. Oh, really? Wow, awesome. Um, what's going on, Frank? Oh, nothing much. Show. Nothing much. Are you on speakerphone? No, uh, I can uh, get off my headphones. Oh yes, Head, uh, headphones are absolutely headphones are awful. Right. One second here. Hello? Oh, you sound a little bit better. Go ahead, Kevin. What, what's on your mind? Hey, uh, uh, I like your guest. Um, I was also listening to Putin last night on the on the interview, and What'd I you... thought there was a little connection there. Um, what do you think? I think, uh, you know, he said at one point in the interview that uh, basically, uh I'm I'm starting to hear myself in the background here. I'm sorry. Yeah, just turn it off, brother. Just turn it off. All right. So, yeah, I heard him say uh, that it's kind of hard to, you know, uh, 
determine what's going to happen in a U.S. election and things like that because there's so much stuff going on. And uh, I do think it's kind of hard to kind of make something happen for sure in sports and in elections. But uh, people can put their thumb on the scales, and that makes a lot of difference. Oh, especially if it's close. You know, that's that's the whole thing there. Um, the, the question is, like people will say, it, it's very hard. Uh, it, it is hard, especially with the United States. You don't have the popular vote, and thank God for it. It just doesn't mean anything to us. And if you know why, then you know why. But, um, but you know, with, with the Electoral College, uh, it, it, people, whether, no matter where they are with whether they like the result of 2020 or not, you know, Democrats who think that Joe Biden is a legitimate president will say, you know, uh, we beat Donald Trump, but the only thing that made the difference was 80,000 votes spread across five states, you know, so right. five states, 80,000 votes. I mean, that if if you really concentrate on that, it's a lot it's a lot easier than than trying to, you know, uh, somebody trying to overcome a, uh, you know, a five million vote deficit in the popular vote or something like that. And the same thing applies to a, a, a sports game that is relatively close because because then because then a couple of bad calls or a couple of convenient calls can flip everything in one direction or another. It could be totally steered. But other than that, it's a whole lot of coordination. And and that's why I'm just, you know, I'm on the fence of everything, but I wanted to hear everybody's opinion on it. Yeah, um, and I'd love to hear your opinion, too. Um, first time calling in, and uh appreciate you having me. Uh, you know, uh, I'm from Illinois here, and uh, I'm out here prosecuting crimes. And uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on out here. I'm in a liberal state like you in New York, and uh, it's uh, tough sometimes, but I'm going to stick it out. Did you say you're prosecuting crimes? Yeah, I'm a county prosecutor like awesome. in uh, central Illinois. Oh, really? So, yep. so that so that's interesting there because if you're watching a show like this and you are a county prosecutor, I have to imagine that you are a little bit of a black sheep in your in in your area unless you are not in such a badly affected area as far as uh, you know politics goes. Like you said, you're in a very blue state, but if you're watching this show, you must not have very uh, widely held sentiments about the world. Uh, yeah, that's true. Also. Um probably similar to New York as well. Um, when you get outside of the metro area, there's a lot more, you know, right. on earth people, a lot more red people, a lot more people that are not happy with what's going on in, in, in like places like Chicago. So, uh, it's not so bad out here. And I actually am from more of the metro area. So I kind of came out here during COVID to get away from that. Well, let me ask you this one last question. Um, so over here in New York and all around the place, because no matter where you live, we're always watching what's going on in other in other states and stuff. And we see what d- district attorneys and, uh, and and prosecutors of that of that, uh, that that level are really doing with prioritizing how they're spending their time and who they're going after. We know so there's so much political persecution and witch hunting going on out there. I just wonder if you have ever experienced somebody trying to stop you from doing the right thing, whereas so many people are prioritizing going out there and doing things that are only uh, politically slanted. Have you ever felt any resistance in doing and pursuing the right thing, regardless of who votes what way? Um, you know, um, out here, not so.
so much, but um, in some neighboring counties, uh, I know there's there was a big fight between a, um, a more liberal-minded state's attorney and a sheriff uh, about the gun laws here in Illinois, and uh, and uh, the sheriff I think wanted to pushing out the, the state's attorney, which is good, but it's you know it's a lot different out here in central Illinois and southern Illinois than it is in Chicago. Gotcha. I've gone to a conference before where uh, police officers were talking about how bad it is in Chicago, and they really are having a really tough time with their, uh, their prosecutors and also their judges. Their judges are uh, we've got no bailout here anymore, so um, they're just letting people go back out on the street. So it, it is a huge world of difference, but you know the laws that come from Chicago are are forced upon the rest of the state. Are, and uh, people down here don't really appreciate it. Are you seeing any? Um, are you seeing the arri- any arrival of of foreign foreign uh, you know illegal aliens coming to less populated towns outside of the the big metropolis areas? Now that places like Chicago and New York are starting to feel uh, the the breaking point of this this flood, are you seeing any coming to smaller towns in Illinois? Yes, 100%. Um, I, and I think this is kind of a trend that's even happened before some of like the more recent drama. But we have a lot of people from all sorts of places in the world. Uh, we have to use a, a, a phone translator to do traffic court in the morning a lot of times uh, for you know people speaking French from uh, French places in Africa. There's a, uh, We have a daily uh, Spanish translator, and uh, there seems to be uh, people coming in all the time and probably more so recently well well like you said like they like they tell us kevin diversity is our strength so i hope that you're feeling strong out there and thanks for your thanks for your call and thanks for the uh the time i hope you call in again all right thanks frank there you go can you imagine trying to run a county a town a state a country and needing a translator for any any anywhere near to a hundred languages for people who live right there in your county because they're just being imported from all over the world with absolutely no standard and no expectation to assimilate uh, it too rapidly to uh, to even contemplate what is changing around you. It's nuts. But, hey, I know it well. I know it well. Let's take a call. 845. It's a New York number. What's going on, New Yorker? Hey, what's going on, Frank? Who's this? It's Moses. Oh, it's been a while. How are you? Did you move? I'm good. I, did you realize I didn't say in Long Island? Yeah, no, I'm upstate now. I'm was, up in Monroe. I was going to say, but, uh, 845 is not Long Island. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm so glad you answered, man, because I wanted to make some really, two two really strong points, all right? Okay. And, and, and I know you're just as big and passionate a, a Yankee fan as I am, and uh, or was, because I, I just, I can't bear to watch anymore. But um, when it comes to, to baseball, and you were talking about, you know, it's a really long season. First and foremost, they only, they, as long as they can really get into the important games and sway those, the momentum is really, really big. But it, when you pay attention to the, to the baseball games, right, an umpire has so much sway on how the game is going to go, especially, obviously, for the pitcher, where they make the strike zone, how far... Do they stretch it? How high? How low? All these things is on the umpire's hand. And the difference between a two and two count and a three and one count 
is so enormous. Only somebody who watches 162 games can understand that. That is the, that without a doubt, baseball can be swayed. That's, that's one thing. And the backup uh, thing I wanted to say to that is if it wasn't. But <laughs> that wasn't me. That was not me. He cut himself off. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I'm. He'll call back. Hold on. He has to. He has to realize what's happened. Come on, Moises. Come on. Come on. Call me back. Fuck it. I'll call him. He's probably still talking. Hello. Hey, you 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 hung up on me. I, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I'm glad you called back though. Yeah. So the the the, the answer to that. Frank would obviously be to get a, a umpire, uh, an automatic strike zone, right? And you wouldn't need an umpire at all to call balls or strikes. The problem is for them that if batters would have a, a definite strike zone, they would be able to adjust to it and know exactly where they're going to be called or not. It would totally make the game free. If you have umpires, now that puts the control into their hands. So that's why that's a problem they don't want to fix that can easily be fixed. So you think so but, you're actually you you would actually be welcoming the, the 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 radar sensor umpire system and do away with the human touch. Honestly, Frank, I've been I've been for it for such a long time just because of the frustration of watching Yankee games knowing no watching it and feeling like I know they're doing it on purpose just because I'm that passionate maybe but it's so frustrating, and watching them call a, 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 a high a high ball a strike for us, and then come and do it do the opposite for the for the other team. It, it's just you know to me that's the and it's not just baseball. In basketball, the same thing in basketball would be what they call a foul for the person who's defending LeBron James or defending the the, the Kobe Bryant's as we saw them do with the Lakers. Let's not forget that that was already proven with the Lakers back in the, in the early two thousands. And in, in football, it's the same thing for the cornerback. How much pressure are you going to allow him to press on the wide receivers? The referees have total control of how these games are going to go. If they allow the, the cornerbacks to press on them, you're not going to see these wide receivers making big plays. If they're going to allow them to grab and play muscle with them, that's not going to happen. If they throw a flag early in the game, guess what? That cornerback's going to step off a little bit, and that wide receiver is going to go crazy on them. That's just, to me, that's what I see in, um, in it, and I'm just, I'm beyond watching sports anymore at this point. Gotcha. Oh, so you, so you think that even, it's a really, that's an interesting point right there to, at a certain point in the game, condition to for the referees, especially in, in football, to be able to condition new behavior and lackadaisical play by uh, making everything a penalty or whatever, and then all of a sudden you create... You create kind of gaps for the other team to to start making comebacks or widening a lead. I understand what you're saying there. Um, yeah, it already happened a couple of times. This player, this football playoffs. I okay. forgot exactly what games, but there was a couple of games where the referees totally missed some interference calls, and then another game where they called interference where there was none at all. And, I mean, obviously, but uh, the, the flags control everything. The penalties control everything. Well, uh, very interesting stuff.
Very interesting stuff indeed. And maybe one day, regardless of it all, we'll go see a Yankee game together, Moses. That would be great. And, uh, and Only if it's with you, Frank. That's <laughs> the only way I'm, you get me there. Hey, man, I, I, it's been years for myself, too. So uh, it's got to be <laughs> Well, I mean, I, Aurora's got to see the green grass of Yankee Stadium. And I think I'm going to just... Oh, this is true. I'm this think, is true. I think I'm going to do it this year at some, at some point. Just, hey, let's go. Let's do it. Um, let's do it, man. But... Uh, but other than that, thanks for calling in, and uh, and I'm happy you, you you moved to greener pastures. Have a good one. Thank you, Frank. God bless, brother. All right, God bless. Take care. There's Moses. I know. I wish I can. I wish I could save his number. I wish I can save everybody's number, but they do not allow that on Zoom like they do on Skype, which is kind of gay. It's kind of gay. Like a gay robot. Gay robot. <laughs> yes, what's this one? Hello? Hello? Oh, that's just my normal gay voice. What the f I have a beep button? You son of a bitch. Fing son of a bitch. Oh, I mean bitch. <laughs> you fing son of a bitch. Did that, did that work? Did that work or did I cut through? Was I on the other side? Did you hear me talk through the beep? I didn't even know I had the beep. Oh, that was great. Good for me. All right, let's take one more call and then we're going to clean the slate and we're going to do a little bit of Joe Biden and and, uh, and other things there. This is a great topic though. Not Oh, another one just came and went. My bad. 914-200-0269. Twisted Clown says, it's a link to a funny skit. You'll laugh. Watch it later. No doubt about it. I will watch it. Thank you, Twisted Clown. That was a link to the uh, 53 million New York City credit card. All right. Uh, JSM, Secret Weapon, Born Deplorable. Cheers, Frank. Give us a peek. I think I gave it to you, but here's another one. Uh, there's the Matt Cam. Nothing really big has changed. I have removed several lights around there. So the glare on in that corner is going to be a little bit diminished and there's going to be a little bit more of a warmth. I'm hoping uh, I got to get Matt in here, but I had other people sitting in the uh, in the corners around here. So that's where Matt will be. Uh, the other side of the room. Not much is different except for the placement of the microphone boom stands, which used to be at that corner of the table that is closest to the the um the chair that corner next closest to the the door we moved it back farthest away from the door so that the boom is kind of reaching in toward the guest's face and there's going to be a lot less obstruction with the boom stand of the mic and the same thing goes for the other side a lot less obstruction which allows us to get a better view of the hookah corner which i have to get the hookahs cleaned and put back on that um that bar and hello jfk as far as the couch cam goes, nobody's there, so it's just kind of lonely. But uh, we'll we'll figure it all out. All right. That's that. That's what I got. Let's take one more call. 252, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, hey Frank, how you doing? Hey, who's this? My name's Connor. What's going on, Connor? Welcome. Hey, man. Um, real quick, I just wanted to say I've been an avid college basketball fan throughout the entirety of my life and uh, have been blessed enough to witness uh, uh, a ton of the University of North Carolina and Chapel Hill basketball games in person. And <clears throat> without a doubt, 
before the under five minute timeout, they will even the fouls out no matter what the situation in the game is. What do you mean? So, so expand on so that a little if, more. If um, the Duke Carolina game, well, not the Duke Carolina game, the, the the Clemson Carolina game two or three nights ago, the fouls were Clemson had seven and Carolina had two. And then before the under five minute TV timeout, um, it was called up seven to seven. And they called little BS touch fouls. You know, just, I mean, literal. It, it was it was astounding. Hmm. That and it's every it's every game. Now I can't speak for other teams. I don't watch them as avidly, and and I can't speak for the NBA because I, I don't watch that. But in the ACC, one hundred percent every game, no matter what, you can set your watch to it. You know, I, I remember that there was a um, as far as college games go. College has not been immune from any of this stuff for a long time. I remember in my sports history class that I took, one of those elective classes that I took in college, um, there, 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 we spent a lot of time talking about that 1961 NCAA scandal. You had, you had dozens of college students getting arrested for fixing games and things like that. There was, there was St. John's or St. Joseph's. Um, I forget what it was, but there was a little bit there into that. That's where I learned about point shaving as well. So college sports is not it's not even just um, pro. There's a lot there with college. There's actually a lot more interest in college sports, especially March Madness. That's about to start that there's going to be collectively probably more money spent betting on March Madness than it is on the on the, on the Super Bowl because you got an entire month worth of games. It's not just one weekend. You know what I mean? Absolutely, 100%. Shit. Well, anyway, I have to look into that, though, because I really don't even know what the estimates of what the, the, the money spent on March Madness betting is compared to the Super Bowl, but it has to be more just because the volume of games are more. Um, and that's why they expand in the field, and, and they continue to talk about expanding the field in other college sports. Yeah. I mean, the NCAA is the most corrupt uh, governing body in sports aside from FIFA there is. Wow. I, well, th- thank you so much for the call, my man. This is a good yes, one. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank love you. Love the show. No, thank you. I love the call. All right, let's take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to jump into uh, a little bit of this Joe Biden stuff and take more of your calls. Don't go anywhere. Oh, uh, yeah, they're having a good-ass time. I'm just about to jump off. Bro, I'm just about to jump off, kill myself, and fuck their whole day up, nigga. What is the most terrifying thing you've ever experienced while home alone? A few years back I was home alone during a power storm, I went into the bathroom to take a dump and at the exact time I was shitting I sneezed, while the power went out as well, the house was pitch black and I literally thought I shit myself blind, I couldn't see my hands so in a panic I was yelling no this cannot be true, I was in a panic, feeling for the toilet paper to wipe and flush. After completing the task I just sat on the toilet trying to figure out how to tell everyone I know that I literally shit myself blind by sneezing while shitting, after about 2 minutes of complete darkness and dread and panic, lightning struck outside and lit up my hallway, best damn feeling ever. Quite frankly. Welcome to Perpetual Health Minute brought to you by Quite Frankly, direct-to-consumer drug advertising. It's only allowed in the United States and in New Zealand. And in the U.S., it was the 1997 Food and Drug Administration Modernization Act that allowed this to take place. Now, prior to that, healthcare expenditures were roughly $1.4 trillion. If you fast forward to 2020, Healthcare expenditures are $4.1 trillion, representing 19.7% of the gross domestic product. Now, while we can't completely blame 
direct-to-consumer drug advertising for the rising cost of healthcare or the rising chronic disease rates. But we should be asking the question, is it actually doing us more harm than good? If you like this video, follow the new Perpetual Health Rumble channel. You can also find us at perpetualhealth.substack.com. But for now, thank you so much for watching and back to the show. Okay, well, you know what I, I'm not used to? I'm not used to I'm not used to the microphone and the audio output being so robust. I actually have to turn things down, and a lot of the stuff that I'm I'm working with on my on the mixer in front of me is all halfway up the fader. Usually, my faders are jacked over here. Boom, jacked. There's no more power I can get. I love the power. I finally have the power. What do we do with the power, though? That's the that's the real question. What do we do with the power? Anywho. All right. So thank you, guys and gals, for hanging out with me. And now let's jump into a little bit of something that will, I don't know. It's really, in, it, it, there's a lot of questions to be asked about this. Here is from Zero Hedge. Let me get make sure that I'm I'm on the right page over here. Zero Hedge. My memory is fine, Biden fumes, before confusing Egypt's Sisi with the president of Mexico. In less than 15 minutes, President Biden proved special counsel Robert, Robert Hur right and confirmed all concerns about his fitness for office. As we detailed earlier, Hur wrote in his report that he would not suggest bringing charges against the president for his mishandling of classified documents because, quote, Biden will like this is from the report, the special counsel. And this was all about classified documents that were mishandled. You know, they're find, finding bushels of things that he should have never had any. We're talking about either his capacity as a senator or as a vice president. No, no permission, no reason for having any of this stuff, uh, let alone having it in, um, you know, I don't know, milk crates inside of your garage. Here's a quote from the uh, the report. Biden will likely present himself to the jury, as he did during his interview with our office, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. The president, having seen dead people numerous times this week, keeps saying that he sees people who have been dead for a while, was apparently displeased with this report and decided to correct the course of action as a rare press conference to set the world straight on his mental acuity. He did this around 7.45. I saw all of the, the things going out around 7.45 last night. I said, okay, so Tucker Carlson goes, I, I thought that it was like a distraction from, from the Putin thing because everybody was really like hunkering down for, uh, to, to, to watch that over the course of two hours starting around 6 p.m. Or maybe he was saying, hey, well, the, the, a lot of people are going to stop watching around 8 p.m. because it was two hours. Maybe they'll watch me around 8 p.m. I, I don't know what it is. So it wasn't a distraction, I should say, because uh, the, by the time he went live, the other thing with Tucker Carlson was already out for two hours. So if anything, he allowed everybody to, to continue watching that. So I was like, what the hell can this be about? It did not go well, though. He says he welcomed the special counsel's decision not to bring charges. He said the bottom line is the matter is now closed. 
but the, proceeded to throw his staff under the bus. He said, I take responsibility for not having seen exactly what my staff was doing. He said it several times that, oh, my gosh. Okay, so can, can the staff go to jail? I mean, the, he kept saying, and of course, inside of this, uh, this report from Robert Herr, it says that the evidence suggests that he did not willfully have this sensitive material that he had no authority to possess as senator or vice president. So uh, that, that, what does that do? It allows him to blame his staff. And then I, th- when I heard that, I said, okay, so which staffers are getting arrested then? Of course, that's not going to happen. It's all bygones will be bygones. Because even though somebody like uh, I saw a brief clip on Twitter pass by me uh, earlier on today with Kamala Harris commenting on all this stuff and said uh, saying that the comment about Joe Biden being a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with poor memory was a political attack, which is obviously ridiculous. She's trying to go out there and protect her boss because they're 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 while all this is going on, they're trying to show a unified front. And they're trying to love each other down, those two, president and vice president, so-called. They're trying to love each other down in a very public way because something's cooking. Now, I always thought that we would knew that we we would know that we were getting close to a Joe Biden ouster once they figure out what to do about Kamala. But it may just be that they're going to let this girl pretend for a little while. Maybe. Does it matter? Seriously, does it matter? It could be anybody. It doesn't matter. Anyway, she's out there actually pretending that this was a a politically motivated thing to, you know, characterize Joe Biden in in this way as he gets off from a scandal that would never. the, the, The point that he's walking away with this, he's walking away from this at all. That's the political scandal. That's the politically motivated, you know, outcome here. That's ridiculous. Whatever this farce was, it circles around lack of will once again. He didn't willfully have this stuff out there, which is the equivalent of Peter Strzok coining the term extreme carelessness so that Hillary could even avoid negligence charges because that's what this still is, negligence. Your staff had stuff they shouldn't have in places that it shouldn't have been. Well, that's criminal negligence. You know, it, it's a it's a, a favor that the prosecutor who would have nailed anybody else to a cross is letting him walk away and saying, well, he's a, a well-meaning old man who seems to have memory lapses. You know, that's a favor right there. That's not a political attack. And then, of course, he defaults to his forgetfulness as a reason not not to uh, not to charge. That's what he really is, the the prosecutor. Well, if he's not sound enough mind to fake uh, to face responsibility for his mistakes, then I mean, willful or willful or otherwise, then what the hell is he doing living in the White House? Many people have asked that question. You have to listen to this, though. Listen to when when he opens up for questions around 1745 or something. This is what was what really startled me because it was a very short engagement. Very, very short engagement, which is why I watched a little bit of it. And this is unheard of right here. My job of being president of the United States of America. Now, thank you, and I'll take some questions. President Biden, something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because, in his description, you are a well-meaning elderly man 
with a poor memory. I'm well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president, and I put this country back on its feet. He put this country back on its feet. <laughs> I don't need his recommendation. It's How totally bad out. is your memory, and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad, I let you speak. That's, uh, that's, that's my memory. memory has gotten worse, Mr. No, look. Somebody, and now here's the second one. Do you think your memory has gotten worse, Mr. President? Memory is not good. My memory is fine. My memory, take a look at what I've done since I've become president. It's, it's surreal. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? What'd you pass? You know, I guess I just forgot what was going on. Mr. Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President, voters have concerns about your age. How are you going to... Here's another one, a third one. Voters have concerns about your age. How are you going... This is three in a row now. Like I say, if, if, if this wasn't Joe Biden, I would feel bad. Do you fear that this report is only going to fuel further concerns about your age? Only by some of you. Do you take responsibility for at least being careless with classified material? I take responsibility for not having seen exactly what my staff was doing. Wow. I mean, first of all, <laughs> do you take responsibility for being careless? That's called negligence. And there is there. I mean, that that is criminal. <laughs> it's criminal. But but the, the thing is that this happened. This like weird uh, dog piling. So wow, they they allowed him to get chewed up a little bit here. Then CNN goes out. Uh, J, I think it was either uh, the the Vanderbilt kid or or Jake Tapper or somebody had some woman on there that was saying like this was a a five alarm fire, a horrible decision to go out there and do this whole thing to put it all out there. Jeff Carlson, friend of mine, friend of the show said this, and it's, it's very well put. He said Biden is either senile or he should be prosecuted. Biden's staff is either inordinately incompetent or they set him up. Biden is either subject to the 25th Amendment or is subject to impeachment. That's where we are. And I told Jeff, I said, listen, I'm going to use this on the show tonight because it's 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 pretty concise. It's nice. And he said, it's true. He, he wrote this to me. He said, there's two sides to report here. The side that condemns him for his actions and the side that says he's too incompetent to stand trial and zero chance, uh, zero chance that Robert Hur wrote anything without Merrick Garland's approval. All choreographed. The question becomes how they handle Kamala and how Kamala handles them. I think that if they were, if they knew that this point was going to be coming at some point if he was never going to be able to have the physical ability to survive two terms you know if they were if they were going to force anybody into a second term and to make that happen like they made the first term happen was he going to be able to physically hold up to that definitely does not have the battery life for that definitely does not I don't know how we got this far. It's been a real struggle. It's not like he surprised us with his durability. It has been embarrassing the whole way. It really has been. Anybody who has has had to uh, uh, care for and be around elderly family members who are are in you know those earlier to to intermediate stages of dementia, you recognized a lot of what is going on with this guy. All right, so. I don't know why 2022 wasn't the jump off point for finding a way, a real, a politically 
reasonable excuse for swapping out Kamala Harris. I don't know why they didn't. Then again, why would you put her in this position if you're not willing to have her step into the big seat for one reason or another for any given period of time? Because she wasn't attractive to anybody when she was running on her own in 2020. She was polling less than 1%. Say, well, you... Uh, they don't want it. Why did they choose her in the first place then? So maybe they're both. Maybe there's a greater, a greater plan for both of them. Both of them being disposable wipes because it's not like she added anything to the ticket. There's plenty of non-white women in this country that could have gone around with Joe Biden and they could have found one that didn't just a couple of weeks prior to admit that he has sexual assault problems and is a liar and is a racist. I mean, she she all she put all that out there, and on top of it, nobody liked her. So, I don't understand. But I guess if they wanted to put her in this position in the first place and didn't have to, then maybe there is no plan to replace her. Maybe it is just about I don't know. But it makes no fucking sense. Maybe you know. Maybe maybe that's why I'm bringing this up right now. Every once in a while, it's just a good mental exercise to 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 play around with it all. Um, but, um, but yeah, again, what is this highlight rigged? Now, if you're not getting paid to defend this charade, then I really hope that at some point you get the medical support that you need. Okay. I know there's a lot of people on the internet who are paid to just love down Joe Biden, just to get so personal with the gushing and the love and all that stuff. I understand that there is pay. There's an exchange of goods for that kind of behavior. But if you are gushing over this guy and you think that everything is just fine and that you don't know what anybody's talking about and you're not getting paid, I really hope you get the medical support that you need, psychiatric help, because, I mean, what, this just happened over the last couple of years? This is a, everything was fine in 2020. It was just a, a quick downturn. No, come on. And people's minds are getting wiped and reprogrammed right in front of our eyes right now. Some of them. Others will always dig deeper and really entrench themselves. But people's minds are getting wiped right now and they're getting ready. They're slowly being given permission to see Joe Biden as a guy who means well and did some great stuff in a time of need, but ultimately, he needs to step aside. A lot of people in that normie class, they are being prepared to accept that reasoning. That's what all this is about. They're being prepared to accept that. You know, when he was quite literally an incontinent finger puppet the entire time. Now, here's this. There are other people who are being given opportunities to jump off now where they see that this is all a charade and this is just nuts. You let me know what you think about Michael Rappaport, where he is right now in his little character arc. Is it for real? Is it uh, in any way, shape, or form authentic? Here he is with Patrick Bet David. Um, he admits to being misled by the media in 2017 about Trump's very fine people on both sides comment, which is really significant in saying, okay, well, maybe is there, there is a touch of, of authenticity here. Uh, you know, is he trying to, to salvage a brand? Does he see that his personal stock is, is, is dropping and he thinks it could be a little bit more strategic and whatever to kind of wake up and get, I, I don't know. But I know that from people like Brandon Strzok, 
anybody who has had legitimate turnarounds in their lives or to be able to see just how much of a game everything is, the first thing that they usually notice is an inconsistency and a really hard, indescribable bias in the media. For Brandon Strock, it was the constant months long and still to this day, every once in a while you'll hear it, the um, the swipe at Donald Trump for making fun of of um, of disabled reporters. Seeing that as an obvious lie, the Special Olympics comments, obvious lies, those are the types of things that wake people up. It's those little, wait, 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 what? There's just a, there's just a ripple. There's a ripple that you need to just, you need to uh, just, peel the flap back a little bit, and all of a sudden, that's it. The, the inner wall's exposed. It, it, it could be that. And it also could, who knows? You let me know what you think about this. I'm going to play this, and then I'm going to open up the lines for the last couple of minutes, and you let me know. So if you, if you, if you believe in the Obama doctrine, all right, you know, be nice to each other, whatever, there's no way you were voting for, for Trump. It just wasn't in the cards. It wasn't happening. It was abrasive. It was racist. The media, yada, yada, yada. And he was a joke. Like as a New Yorkers, like he was like yeah, a, he's know, a ball busting troll. Exactly. He's a he's a, but, he's a but shit. But here's bomb. why I think you're going to vote for him this time, because you've seen what happened under his first term. You didn't like it. He's the you know he's the pig dick, and he's got the mean tweets, and he's orange. But life was good. There was no wars. The economy was going good. But damn, he's a, he's annoying to look at. But you also can acknowledge that the media had a major role in that. Uh, uh, that a major that's role that in that. When you take a step back, yes. You also acknowledge that. Because I'll, well, you've I will also, acknowledge yeah. that. You know, and, and this right here, for those of you in podcast land, this voice right here is Michael Rappaport. Listen to this. You know, that one thing about the Charlottesville that, that, that I ranted about. Yes. And I was wrong. About the both sides thing. Yeah. yeah and but, so and I respect so irresponsible. And I respect the shit out of Wait, let me, let me hear him out. Hang on. Yeah. Go a little bit more. What do you mean by that? You were wrong on that. No, because he said the, the both sides, you know, there's good people on both sides. And when you see the full quote. Yeah. Yeah, it, that wasn't what what he said, and 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 you know I I ranted on him hard for that mm -hmm. hard. There's some video about it, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I ranted hard because I was like, "What are you talking about, man?" Because you got played, and here's what the re this is why I think you're going to vote for Trump is because you, much like me, much like many people, independent thinkers, not the sheep, realize we kind of got played a little bit. Yes, Trump ain't exactly the smoothest character. He's not. He's Obama. not Jesus Christ. No. But he actually, his policies and who he has around him are way better than what's going on there. And here's my final point. You see what's going on with the border. You see yep. what's going on with the wokeness. You see what's going on with culture wars. And you see what's going on with actual wars. Yeah. Specifically, you see who the, the Democrats have exposed their hand, especially the progressive left. You see what's going on between Israel and Gaza. You have three starved David highs on your chest right now. Mm -hmm. And someone who is a proud New Yorker your whole life. You see what the Democratic Party has turned into. This D-E-I-E-S-G, yep. woke manifestation of ridiculousness, <clears throat> intersectionality, decolonialization. You're looking at that and you say, you know what? As much as I can't stand big dick Donald Trump. You said it. At least he's fucking normal. At least he doesn't want to turn my boy into at a girl. He's, well, at least he's normal. Well, yeah. Yes. You, you, at least, his poly, at least he doesn't it. want to turn my boy into a yeah, girl. Yeah. At least he's defending Israel, not the fucking terrorists. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I'm a reasonable person. Yeah. So like you yeah. said initially, I think I'm going to consider this. Oh, it's, I'm yeah. considering it. Yes. But to pull that, well, I don't know, we don't pull, pull levers anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Actually pull that lever. Yeah, but pulling the but, lever for Biden. And, the, and then. Uh, see, see you, you, you peek in on things. 
you peek in on things. Obviously, he's these are people that are, I don't know, whatever. That, that that whole Israel versus the terrorist thing just doesn't play for me. I think there's a lot of there's a lot, I think ninety percent of the people who throw in on that are just posers, posers, big time. Uh, it has absolutely nothing to do with me. It should have it should have nothing to do with any of us. I I don't understand. If I were elected president, you tell me I have to go over to Israel and and and, and tongue kiss that wall. I'd say no thanks, no thanks. Um, that's not happening. Not putting the hat on, not doing that stuff. So, so I, I don't give a shit about that stuff. But as far as, uh, as far as people, as far as people cracking a little bit, what do you think? Well, we got a couple of minutes, so we'll see what the hell comes through. 914-200-0269. Give me a call. Uh, maybe we can get two or three in before the week ends. And just remember, on Monday, I will be at Studio B because it is going to be a um, it's going to be another night of book club afterwards. We have two more weeks of book club for this particular title, and uh, I just want like to keep it all home and in uh, in one place for that. But on Tuesday night for the short show, because we're going, we are now the band is getting together on Tuesday night, and we're going to be getting um, we're we're ripping apart the band room now. Everything that we did in here is going on in there now. So when I get off the air on Tuesday night at two at eight o'clock, we're all going on in there and it's going to be topsy turvy time. And it's going to be the most radical thing that we did in there as far as cleaning and organizing since we moved in here in 2015. And I can't wait. I can't wait. It, this is cathartic. It's a new year. The world outside is crazy, but this has got to be our fortress of solitude. And we got to we got to make some stuff happen. Got to make some stuff happen out on the world stage. Anyway, I don't know. It's the end of the th- it's the end of the line here. We got five minutes left, and I just wanted to see if anybody had anything to say. Uh, let's see. Esther G says, "If I had a gold pill for every time my husband told me he has my back since hearing you joke last night, yeah, I got your back." <laughs> it wasn't even a joke. It was just didn't sound right. <laughs> it's just, sometimes the jokes just happen. Uh, yeah, but hope, hopefully you can make some money off of that, Esther. I I'm I am all for entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, Chai Possum says, "Fantastic show, Frank and Brian. Thank you guys. Thank you so much." Over on quite frankly superchat.com, Jay Britt says, "Frank only use the power for good, never for evil." I don't have it in me. I've got a little girl that I got to be a role model to. And I really want to, I want to show her something great. That's what I want to do. So thank you, thank you, Sean, Joe, Porpoiseful, uh, Witchy Poo. Good stuff. Let's take a call. Seven three two. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey Frank, what's going on? Uh, hey Chris, Chris, what what's going on? How's it going? It's going good. Uh, doing well, thank you. Um, that that sports suit is crazy, and I mean, just to just to harp on Biden real quick. I just the, the simple fact that anybody is defending him is, is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Now, Chris, Chris, are, are, Chris, I, I, I'm, are, are just is there any chance that you can get off a speakerphone, or are you driving right now? I am driving, but hold on. Okay. All right. No, 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 no. Right. Good, no. Stay, stay hands free, and and do what you, say what you got to say. Then go ahead. Much appreciated. Anybody that's defending Biden at this point, either is. Like you said, brain dead or, or 
I, I can't even explain it. But anyway, the sports thing is it's the easiest thing to fix, and they just want to be able to say, this is human error, and that's the biggest thing. Like, like the guy said, uh, uh, an automatic strike zone is the easiest thing in the world. You can just have balls and strikes called. You can put a sensor into the bases. That's even easier. And then on top of that, with football, all you got to do is say, we're going to have trained referees. And that's all it is, because these guys are lawyers and doctors or whatever they are. And instead of, you know, as a $9 billion business, instead of saying, we need to save money here, you know, they go ahead and they say, oh, well, this, this doctor's going to come in and call the game on Sunday. And then he's got to go back to being a doctor on Monday. But instead of that, they, you know, you have point shaving left and right. People throwing flags absolutely nowhere. And then, unfortunately, I even hate to say this because it's a total admission. I know it, and I still fucking watch it. And that's the hardest part because I do enjoy the, the competitive thought process of it. It's, it, 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 it. it's entertainment. But that's exactly what most of these leagues are. NFL, NBA, I even believe Major League Baseball are all scheduled or, or certified under the same title that the WWF is or the WWE is or whatever it is. They're entertainment businesses. They're not sports. They're entertainment businesses, which allows them to legally, quote-unquote, come out and fix the end of the game and say, we want to keep it in this style of game. And if they get caught doing it or whatever it is that they get caught doing, there's no fault of their own. It's just, oh, well, we're an entertainment business. But, of course, as you said, our, our, our government doesn't give two shits because they're probably making an absolute killing off the taxes on gambling. And once they did that, they were probably like, oh, now it. they can do whatever the hell they want to. We really don't care. But either way, awesome week, great show. The the the, the studio looks top notch, man. It's really killer. I will say that. I'm glad you like it. I I'm, I really am, and I'm uh, I can't wait to get more people in these seats. And I think that's when it's really going to come to life. And I, I what, what do you think about the sound quality so far tonight? I mean, so far you sound just as good, if not better, than you did the last time. You know, I mean, uh, I'm hoping. You know, for, yeah, I'm, yes, you sound great. You I'm know, hoping I, I sound better. Know. Yeah, I, I was hoping no. that the most, you know, it, it, there's only so much that you're going to be able to see visually. I mean, this is a brand new camera. This is a better camera than it was. I wanted this camera to be for all four or five stations over here, but um, we had compa- compatibility issues, and we had to make some compromises. So a lot of the, the cameras that I, I bought for this room are going to be repurposed for the next room. My buddy Derek is going to find a way to... Of making of forcing that all to work but um yeah but the one thing that should be a market improvement is is the sound because the, the way that the sound is processed is totally different it is a modern form of technology and uh, i i hope that that as we get more people in here for conversations that is what's going to shine the most but thanks for calling chris it's great to hear I from think- you can I can I make one more point real quick? Sure. And then I'll get off the phone. Sure, sure. You gotta get. I, I look forward to your next conversation with uh, uh, what's his name, King Bao. Oh, the, the UFC fighter. Oh. Now that you got the beat button, I'm fully expecting this beat button to be going absolutely wild. You know, like you said, you're trying to switch. You know, I'm just saying. Man, I, I even think about that. Well, oh, not even the beat button. It's just you know about tonight's. I thought you were talking about tonight's topic about fixed sports. Well, I mean, fighting has always been something that's, I don't want to say easy enough. It is easy enough to fix because you know what? All you got to do is, and, and unfortunately, everyone loves UFC. It's easy enough in UFC to, I don't want to say give someone your back, but 
But you can, you know, like, it's easy enough. All of a sudden, one guy throws a punch, you take it off the chin, and you're on the ground, and next thing you know, the ref's going to jump in and stop it. And it doesn't even look bad. Oh, he got punched in the jaw, and he got, he got you know, his, his legs were rattled. So, I mean, all, all sports are just as easy to fix as anything, so... I think well, well, I uh, you know, th- thank you for that. There's there's Chris from the Berkshires, and I and I just want to put out there because I know that we're going to get after the fact emails. We always do, and I love those. I'm not totally sold. I just gotta say, I'm, I mean, I'm not totally sold. Um, there's a lot of spookiness in sports. It's been done before. It's been exposed before. But to the degree that some people say that it is fixed, I think that it is just a massive amount of coordination. And for you know, you could say, who was I talking about the other? Who talking about this with the the other night? Was it? Uh, oh, it, it was Jeremy Reese. I think it was Jeremy Reese that was talking about Los Alamos, and he was talking about the Manhattan Project. And we was talking about, or, or it could have been an, an old coast to coast. I was listening to uh, in between shows, where it, it, you know, just that that little that little thing, that little anecdote about the Manhattan Project. You have four hundred thousand people that were involved in the Manhattan Project, and that didn't get out. Nobody knew about it. It is possible to have hundreds of thousand people work on something secretly. It is possible, just because the Earth government. The surface level government over here in Washington, D.C., in the swamp and everywhere else, just because we see government incompetence all around us, I mean, that that's just, you know, that's just there to manage the barn animals. But but for things that matter, perhaps there is a way to. But 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 then again, you're talking about, uh, you know, kids who were recruited out of high school. These are not rocket scientists. These are not, uh, or, you know, what are they? Blood oaths to the NBA, blood oaths to the NFL. Don't say a damn word. You'll get killed. I, I, I don't know. You think that there'd be somebody you think you would think that at this point, there would be a couple of deathbed confess- confessions about this. Now, as far as paying off people, as far as getting a couple of complicit uh, referees in close games or to keep games semi-close, I, it just it's a big big leap but as far as being as uh doe-eyed about sports being as pure as the driven snow I, I i'm definitely not on that page either but i love to hear what you guys think i love to hear what you guys think um and i appreciate you guys and gals alike let me make sure that i have i have not missed anyone let me see. Witchy Poop, Porpoiseful, Sean Joe, thank you. And then I already told everybody thank you on, quite frankly, superchat.com. Until Monday. And one last thing if you haven't become a sponsor of the show, please become a sponsor this weekend. If you become a sponsor quick, at quite frankly, at superchat, now what is it? Uh, subscribestar.com forward slash quite frankly. That link is on the sponsor us page on quite frankly.tv or in the description. Become a sponsor because Sunday's coming. And you're going to be able to get in on the Sunday streams, which are always wonderful. And there's a book club, and uh, there's a lot more that we're developing. A lot more that we're developing. But be a part of it and, and help, us, help us make new, new inroads to the world. That's what it's really all about. Have a good one, ladies and gentlemen, and nighty-night.
Wait a second. Did I make an outro? I didn't make an outro button yet. I gotta. All right, well, next time. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film for a live studio audience. And now, our super chatter starting with Jay Britz, Twisted Clown, Stowstube, Revolution, Jay Britz, and Car Guys New England. Thank you to a wonderful chat room on quitefrankly.tv and pilled.net who have sent over those glorious gold pills. I'm releasing the scratching as we speak. No after hours programming tonight. I've got a little extra work to do over here, but don't worry, we'll have fun stuff dropping in on you all weekend, including, oh no, not Sunday night either. It's the Super Bowl. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you soon. And become a sponsor so you can hang out with us Sunday morning.